When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C O R R Y J O E L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Um, this week we're going to take a look at two things. Uh, Kyler Murray's unique uh, contract closet was removed. And also uh, new developments in the receiver market and how they're going to impact future developments. First, Kyler Murray made news uh, for his huge contract, uh, five-year extension, 230 Million point two hundred thirty point five million dollars over five years and um, averages forty six point one million per year in new money, and then he made um, news for different reasons. Um, Ian Rappaport revealed last Monday that um, there was an unprecedented clause in his contract which required him to uh, have four hundred four hours of independent study each week during the regular season, or he would be deemed to be in default, uh, in breach of contract, which would lead to um, his guarantees voiding. Now, I have never seen a clause like this in an NFL contract before, um, where a player's um, would be considered in default if um, he didn't engage in four hours of uh, study uh, on his own time. Now, there are a couple of unique things in the contract or interesting things uh, which you typically don't see in any contract aside from the independent study clause. Uh, one, quarterback uh, contracts typically don't uh, have big per-game roster bonuses and all the new years. Murray had $50,000 per game um, active uh, in his um, per game roster bonuses, so that's eight hundred fifty thousand dollars a year tied um, to him staying healthy. And then the workout bonuses were largest I've ever seen. That um, it was like nine point three one five million of workout bonuses in his uh, contract. A million dollars and was the smallest in the New Year's, and it got up to as much as one million eight hundred fifty seven thousand five hundred. In the uh, New Year's. Now, the default language contained uh, a couple of uh, interesting things as well to me, which uh, weren't in his rookie contract. Not surprisingly, there was a uh, baseball clause participating him, uh, preventing him from participating in any type of baseball-related activity, which is including without limitation a, a tryout, workout, practice, scrimmage, exhibition, or game for any team in any baseball league. So I remember Russell Wilson previously when he was the Seahawks had some workouts with the Rangers. 
including without limitation, a workout. That's out. Makes more sense for Kyler than it did Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson did play minor league baseball um, for a couple of years, but wasn't the ninth overall pick in the draft. <laughs> um, and as we all should remember, Kyler Murray was headed to be a baseball player in the A's organization, might be in the majors right now, had the A's not agreed to let him play one final year of football at Oklahoma when he won the Heisman. Um, here's one that um, caught my attention. that player is fined by club by conduct detrimental to the NFL and or club provided the player has been given a written warning prior to such fine. Suspensions which are in there usually uh, puts the player in breach of contract. The fines weren't in Kyler's rookie contract. And fines typically aren't considered a trigger to breach. That was the problem with the Cowboys. That all Cowboys uh, except Dak have fines triggering a player being in breach. Uh, that's why Randy Gregory ended up as a uh, Denver Bronco objected that language even though he'd signed it in the last contract. But that's highly unusual for fines uh, to trigger a player um, being in breach. So um, he would be in default of his contract at that point. And when you are in default, the consequence is all the it's any remaining guarantees become null and void. And player can still make the money on a non-guaranteed basis, but it makes it a whole lot easier for the club to uh, get rid of the player. So let's say Murray had breached the uh, independent study clause early this year. Then it could have been as much as $196.465 million of guarantees, which are now gone. Um, if it happened after this year, once the uh, option bonus was paid, uh, then, then we're talking um, significantly less money at, at, at that time. Because after the option bonus is paid, um, and he's got, a, I think, a $36 million option bonus. If he gets by this year, then you're talking it go down to 94. Um, no, not not that little. Ninety-four point nine six five plus twenty-nine five. Then we're talking one hundred and twenty-four point four six five million uh, of guarantees. And, and why I say that is you've got the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes guarantees in there, where you've got nineteen point five million. I think it's twenty twenty-seven guarantee, which is totally unsecured right now, becomes guaranteed and. In in 2026, I mean uh, 19.5, then you got 10 million in the in a prior year, which is completely unsecured. That becomes guaranteed a year earlier. So there's a lot there was a lot that at risk. There was at risk. That clause was that clause was so unprecedented that it, because of the backlash first to both Murray and the Cardinals, it ended up getting removed from the contract um, on Thursday. And the Cardinals uh, issued a a statement. Um, So this may have been a case uh, where team outsmarted itself. After seeing the distraction it created, removed the addendum from the contract. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our confidence in Murray is as high as it's ever been, and nothing demonstrates our belief 
in his ability to lead his team more than the commitment reflected in this contract. Well, first thing is, one, if you're even contemplating the fact that you needed a clause, why were you paying Kyler Murray with two years left on his rookie contract? You legitimately probably should have waited a year to pay him if you had those types of concerns because you don't put that type of con- that type of clause in a contract for no reason. There had to be a reason for doing it. So obviously the Cardinals had questions about his preparation and his professionalism and work, le- work ethic based on having to be <laughs> part of Cardinals for three years. And the damage is done regardless. Uh, it's not there. The perception that Murray doesn't prepare the way he should is out there just for having the clause in there. And part of that is his own doing um, because he kind of told on himself last year um, in a New York Times um, article profile uh, late in the season, last December, he said he doesn't sit there for 24 hours, break down this team, and watch every game because in my head I see so much. Well, <laughs> you got some players who study four hours a day. How hard would it have been? It's out now, but still. First time that, um, let's say Kyler Murray plays like he did in the um, like he did in the Rams playoff game. What's the first thing people are going to think? Well, was he prepared for the game, um, or was it? They don't, or, or he won't get the benefit of the doubt that it was just a bad game. They're going to think, well, did he not <laughs> prepare to know what was coming at him, and that's why he performed poorly. So the damage has already been done. And <laughs> um, so Cardinals look bad from the standpoint. Why'd you even pay the guy <laughs> if you had to put this? Felt the need to put this clause in. Now you take it out. <laughs> That ain't, you, you, I don't know if you look worse for putting it in for worse for then taking it out. And from Murray's standpoint, if I'm the agent, and Eric Burkhart's his agent, and there's, there's an issue there as well because Burkhart represents Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, too. So there's a, there's a conflict of interest there. If I'm the agent, and I know Murray was the one who was driving, or at least his side, his camp, early on was driving the extension. And he's the first 2019 first-round pick to get an extension, the only one. They're normally about three a year that get him, and he's only one so far. But I got to assume, one, that Murray was made aware of this clause because that's something which is so material. You couldn't uh, hold it from your client and then sneak it in the addendums and hope he doesn't read what he's signing. But if I'm Burkhart, they raise that clause, and to me, you got to raise that clause in a proposal. You don't raise it after you agree to everything, and then kind of sneak it in the addendums. That this had to come up in a term sheet proposal they sent out. First thing I'm saying is that's a deal breaker. We're not doing any deal, or we're putting in an unprecedented clause. And also got to assume that. Our card didn't run that by the NFLPA. I can't imagine NFLPA would have been, hey, go ahead and sign a clause like this, which potentially could lead for other teams to think they can put a clause like this in a contract. And I don't know what either side was thinking that this was going to remain secret. And it was leaked in Rappaport, and how it was leaked 
Some people said, oh, the Cardinals put it out there. The agents certainly ain't putting that out there. And I don't, that's not how I think the leak occurred. Um, I think the leak occurred because the NFL management council, NFL teams have a database where person, club personnel can look at contracts as soon as they're filed with the league. They get uploaded. And the NFLPA has a similar database on their website for agents. Uh, the, the agents can look at any contract that's been done. Um, I'm not. They typically don't file them instantaneously. But going back to even when I was an agent, they have a website. But if I wanted a deal that was done, and I was curious, and I had certain players that if a player was done at their position, by the end of the day, I was going to be getting a call. Well, who did so-and-so get? Because that's certain players are interested in that more so than others. Some never get a call like that. So I'd call the appropriate people in the NFLPA and have them, at that time, either email me or fax me the contract. So if you were curious when Murray's deal was signed, um, an agent could have gotten it emailed to them before it was online or anyone could get it uh, on their database. So, I suspect Ian Rappaport got it from one of those two sources. Now, now, getting back to the whole, how does this get in the contract from the agent standpoint? It's a deal breaker. I am not agreeing to that. And, yeah, the deal was done right at the beginning of training camp. And if it was going to be that much of a sticking point for the Cardinals, I'd have held, I would have had Murray hold in. They don't need that. And this is where... If the agent should have, I don't know if he did, explain to them that this clause isn't going to be good for anyone because of what actually happened now. That it got out and it's made Murray look bad. It's made the team look bad. And if you had to, you could have gone through Kingsbury since you represent both. Have Kingsbury do your bidding to manage and go, hey. I don't know if he should have this clause in here and tell them why it didn't need to be in there. And that may have been your best chance to relent outside, getting them to relent outside of uh, having a hold-in. And if someone asked what the hold-in was about, you could have gone there asking me to sign some clause that's unprecedented NFL contracts and we find it insulting. So Murray ended up having this press conference after there's a backlash towards him. And more, his was related to him. The team had a backlash. Where he was kind of defensive, found it disrespectful that the clause was in there and anyone would actually question um, that he wasn't a student of the game. Well, as I said earlier, there's a reason for that clause being in there. Um, it's now out, but perception is reality. <laughs> and you can't put the genie back in the bottle <laughs> uh, from this standpoint. But uh, I don't think you're going to see... Uh, another team trying to put a clause like this in the contract after seeing all the uh, uh, the backlash uh, to this one and the fallout and it, it, it coming out. Um, but this thing had to have been explained to Murray. I got to imagine that Burkhart told Murray, here's what it is. Are you comfortable having it in? And then I don't know if he minimized it or not, but it should have been a red big red flag. The agent works for the player not the other way around. If he explained the ramifications appropriately that you're going to get a lot of flack for this. Here's the connotations for having this clause in. 
he told Murray that and it was still in, then, hey, <laughs> that would be on Murray. But with Murray's indignation of the press conference, maybe it wasn't properly explained. I don't know. I can't imagine it was just the uh, first time he knew about it was when he signed the contract. But anyway, we, we hopefully this puts Studygate Somewhat to bed, but it's going to rear its ugly head anytime Murray has a bad game, particularly in an important game. And let's say you know, Murray's gotten off to hot starts the past two years, been MVP candidate early on. Then the Cardinals faded last year. He had uh, missed DeAndre Hopkins. That may have contributed to some of the late season slide. If he has his MVP candidate the first half of the year, isn't by the time the end of the regular season ends, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> People are going to make the connection, or fairly or unfairly, that is he really studying as hard as he should? Man, unless he gets a reputation for being someone who's a film junkie like uh, Peyton Manning, maybe not to that degree because that's the extreme, this this may follow him for the rest of his career. Uh, But anyway, um, it's out of the contract now. And the Cardinals and Murray can move on to trying to get off to a good start with DeAndre Hopkins serving a six-game suspension under the uh, performance-enhancing substances um, policy. So we'll see um, if they're actually able to get a hard, uh, fast start. And we'll also see who's going to be the next uh, first-round pick from the 2019 draft class, if any, to get a new contract. Um the Lions did Frank Ragnow early last year. Um, P.J. Hawkinson is eligible. Should be an easy deal to do if the Lions decide to do it because the tight end market is well-defined. The Niners are proactive, but they've kind of indicated that Nick Bosa may be a next-year guy as opposed to a this-year guy. So it may just be Murray as the only 2019 first-round pick this year um, to get an extension and have to play under the fourth year of rookie contract. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's turn to um, the uh, new developments in the receiver market. Receiver market has just gone um, haywire um, this offseason. I've never seen a specific positional market explode the way receivers have uh, this year. Um, Heading into the offseason, you had four $20 million per year wide receivers. Julio Jones, who was the first one, who subsequently been released by the Titans. I was doing something with the Falcons in 2019. Had Amari um, Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, and Keenan Allen. There are now 13 wide receivers making $20 million per year or more. And this that's with one leaving. So, in, in Julio Jones. And the latest uh, guy to join this club was DK Metcalf of the Seahawks. And the deal he got 
for him is phenomenal. Um, 72 million over three years uh, in new money, three-year extension. 30 million dollars signing bonus. That is the largest signing bonus ever for a wide receiver, and it's on a three-year extension, four total years. The cash flow in this deal is crazy. Um, he's got 41 million of new money through the first new year, which would be 2023. That's the best first New Year uh, dollar amount of any receiver. So through the first New Year, that's $31 million. That is <laughs> an eye-popping amount of money. 56.94% of the new money through the first New Year. That's unheard of with a wide receiver for, for three-year extension or three-year deal. If you can get more than 40% of the new money through the first new year or the first year of a new deal if you um, had an expire, had a contract that expired, that's considered great. After year two, he's at $54 million, $27 million a year. That's 75% of the new money through two years. Target rate it, uh, range is if you can get over 70 of the percent of the new money after the second new year, you've done your job as an agent. Metcalf is 24, doesn't turn 25 until de- uh, middle of December. So the, he's done this right from the standpoint that we expect the cap is going to explode once we paid back all the money that was borrowed to keep the uh, cap from dropping last year because of the pandemic uh, COVID year in 2020. Um, when there's no local revenue. Um, next year, there'll still be some paying back of that money. My understanding is that teams internally or projection-wise are using anywhere from 222.5 to 230 as the cap for next year. And sometimes projections are conservative. So let's say if it's on the, let's say it's 225 next year. Still, a uh, $16.8 million increase over where the current cap is currently, $208.2 million, but still, not a huge jump. Huge jump's probably going to come in 2024. So, you got a guy that's under contract through 2025, and he's this young. So, in 2025, when he's heading into his contract year, he may get another extension playing two years of this deal when he's 27. So that's what you want to do, set yourself up for when, if you're a guy who's got a contract up, you want to try to set yourself up to get another bite of the apple. Metcalf is going to do that because of the length of contract and his age. Um, his cap number this year was $4,324,827. Um, signing bonus, $30 million. I'm assuming there's not avoiding dummy year when I'm uh, figuring out the cap uh, ramifications. So that $30 million signing bonus gets prorated on the cap, $7.5 million per year, um, 2022 through 2025. So his cap number, his base salary dropped to a million. It was $3.986 million because of earning the proven performance escalator in the fourth year for second through seventh round picks, and it elevated to the second round tender because he wasn't a about pro bowler. So his base salary is dropping $2.986 million in this deal. You add on the, the $7.5 million signing bonus, 
And there was $338,827 of existing signing bonus proration. So his cap number now in 2022 is $8,838,827. So $4.514 million cap increase in, in 2022. The last deal, last two deals to get done, Terry, Terry McLaurin, um, 69.6 million over three years. Averages 23.2 million per year on a three-year extension, and AJ Brown before that, 100 million over four years. Uh, draft day trade, trade in the middle of the first round of Philly. Debo is at 72 over three. Um, there's a big last year in AJ Brown's deal of 31 million, so he's at 69 million of new money over three years. So DJ is has three million more through his deal. And A.J. Brown has his first three New Year's. He's up, whereas A.J.'s got another year to play as well. Phenomenal deal. $58.2 million overall guarantees. There's um, just 31 fully guaranteed at signing because of the way uh, Seattle does, does their deals. that um, They don't fully guarantee the second year at signing. The fifth day after the start of the 2023 waiver period is when his 2023 base salary is guaranteed, and then the 2024 guarantee, fifth day, the 2024 waiver period, they don't have things best early. They, could, they didn't do that for Russell Wilson in either of his extensions or Bobby Wagner. <clears throat> they stopped doing the second year fully guaranteed at signing at some point before Russell Wilson signed his first extension in 2015. But fifth day of the waiver period is five, basically, by the Friday after the Super Bowl, the Saturday after the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if it's after fifth day after or fifth day of, but either way, that's going to be a mid-February vesting date. Typically, guarantees vest third or fifth day of the league year, which is in mid-March. League year starts sometime in mid-March. First day of the league year this year is March 16th, so that'd be about a month earlier um, is the trade-off. And that might be part of the reason why the signing bonus is so big. Russell Wilson had the biggest signing bonus in NFL history at the time to compensate for them not fully guaranteeing the um, second year at signing. Now, that means there's one receiver that everyone thought would get a deal done still left unsigned to a new contract. That's Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo Samuel and... A.J. Brown as well as D.K. Metcalf have the same agent, Tory Dandy. And Tory Dandy's really controlled this receiver market. He also has Mike Williams, the Chargers, who signed before the franchise tag deadline. $60 million over three years. And Chris Godwin as well, another one of his clients who was franchised, got a nearly identical deal to um, Williams. $40 million in guarantees in those deals. $60 million over three years. So, Samuel's next up, and at least we know that he's off the uh, demand of being traded. He's at training camp. He's holding in um, while, as Kyle Shanahan said earlier last week, that they're grinding through a contract. So uh, him getting a three-year deal, to me, is crucial because of his age. If he's trying to get another by the apple, he probably needs one. Uh, Debo's 26. Uh, turned 26 in January, so I made him an older rookie. He's almost two full years 
older than Metcalf. So if he's trying to get two bites of the apple, he can't do a really long deal. He's got to do a shorter term deal. Now that could be a pretty big problem with this deal. First, first off, from a compensation standpoint, if I'm Debo and I'm a quote-unquote wide back, where I added a dimension to being an element in the running game where I could be a Pro Bowl running back if you move me there full-time, and I made all pros a wide receiver last year, then I need a premium over Metcalf, even if we're just sure if we're talking three years. I also should be ahead at least for an average per year of A.J. Brown. So I'm above $25 million because last year um, Debo – Led the league of 18.2 yards per catch. 77 passes, 1,400 receiving yards, six touchdowns. Once they had all those um, injuries in the backfield, stuck them back there. 59 carries, 365 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, eight rushing touchdowns. Had 1,170 yards from scrimmage. That's third in the NFL, combined rushing and receiving yards. He's one of the most dangerous offensive weapons in the NFL. You need to pay me for the value added for a running back. Now, getting back to length of contract. His age necessitates he probably needs a shorter-term deal like Metcalf. Big problem, though. Niners don't do that. George Kittle, when he signed in 2020, became the highest-paid tight end. Five-year extension. Where's the rest of the tight end market? Well, Travis Kelsey, same day. Four-year extension. Also an older guy, not a rookie contract extension. Then you had in free agency in 2021, Jonu Smith, four-year deal. Hunter Henry, three-year deal. Mark Andrews last year, four-year extension. Dallas Goddard, middle of the season, four-year extension. These are the top highest-paid tight ends. David Njoku, franchise this year, four-year extension. So Kittle's the anomaly, five years. When they signed um, Trent Williams as a free agent, six-year deal. It's a three-year deal, plus there's option really to pick up the uh, other three years. Um, offensive linemen can play forever, and he's the best offensive lineman, offensive tackle, I should say, in football. He's 34 right now, so there's some debate how long he'd play, but nonetheless, under contract through six years. For six years. Fred Warner, last June. Bobby Wagner was the highest paid off-ball linebacker at the time on a three-year extension. Niners got five years from Fred Warner. So, Niners do longer contracts. It may be easier to figure out the money. <laughs> it may be to get the length of contract. And I know, um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe the compromise is four. Uh, but... Debo shouldn't be doing a five if he wants to get another by the apple. He's 26 right now. So he'd be first New Year, 27, 28, 29, 30. He'd be 31 going into his contract year if he did a five-year extension. I don't know if I would want a receiver coming up trying to get another deal at 31. Uh, Devontae Adams this year is on his third deal. Um, he turns 30 in December. Tyree Kill did a three-year um, deal 
and that's what set him up for another deal. There were concerns about him off the field at the time, shorter term. He's 28. So Debo's going to be older than everybody else anyway. So maybe the compromise is four. So ideally three, but four. Now, one last issue on Debo. Some people think that Jimmy Garoppolo still being on the roster impacts whether you could get a deal done. Um, if you look at what they did with Fred Warner, that's not the case. Uh, Fred Warner's cap number did not change in from what it was for the final year of his rookie contract to what it ended up being with the extension, which made him the highest paid off-ball linebacker until, uh, I guess, Shaquille Leonard, since he didn't go by Darius anymore, uh, topped him. So, Debo's got a cap number of $4,870,519. There is a way for you to do the deal where you keep the cap number the same or it doesn't increase that much. So, Jimmy Garoppolo's presence on the roster in the cap room that could be gained is irrelevant, could be irrelevant to a Debo contract. Let's say you got the 3.9. Three six million dollar base salary. He's got a nine sixty five minimum. The max signing bonus you can get without. I'm talking if you add max signing bonus you can get if you add four new years because you'd be prorating over five because the signing bonus can be prorated over the existing year in the four new years. You have a signing bonus of fourteen eight. million. Obviously, the cash through the first, through the existing year, wouldn't be the same as uh, Metcalf's, and that's going to be a maybe a problem since it's the same agent of trying to match 41 million of new money through the first new year. So the Niners did a signing option bonus, which is what San Francisco did with I'm not San Francisco, Seattle of Metcalf. So maybe you have to have a big option bonus in the second year particularly if you're going longer than three years um, to get this thing done. But there is a way you can do it where Jimmy Garoppolo is irrelevant. Um, But years may be the bigger sticking point than overall dollars, and then how the cash is allocated as well is going to have to be worked out. But we should see a Debo Samuel extension before the um, regular season starts. And this is applied to any... 2019 draft pick that wasn't a first round pick. You weren't going to see DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, etc. miss the start of training camp for one reason. The CBA now has it that if you don't show up to training camp on time, you don't get an accrued season. They have three accrued seasons. You need four to be an unrestricted free agent. So in the off chance you played out your contract, you'd have three accrued season would be restricted free agent 2023. That's why none of these guys are going to hold out. And also, none of these guys are holding out because the fine for rookies, even though it's forgivable, is $40,000 per day. Training camp lasts roughly 40 days. So that's $1.6 million. For vets, it's a $50,000 fine per day. Not forgivable. That's basically about $2 million the way training camp is defined. So you weren't going to see holdouts. That's why you have had Metcalf holding in. Debo's holding in. Deontay Johnson's having a hold in. Roquan Smith is having a hold in in Chicago. But um, we should see Debo done before the start of the regular season. 
there's going to come a point in time since he's not really doing much in practice. They're going to want to reintegrate him into everything, particularly with a new quarterback in Trey Lance. Last year we had uh, T.J. Watt and Jamal Adams have hold-ins. Watts lasted up until about he got into the time for game preparation for the regular season opener. I would expect for um, Debo to be done on a quicker timetable than that. We'll see whether it's going to be this week, next week, or what the timetable is, but he should be playing on a new deal before the season starts. But that's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L, and also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agent State. Uh, Goodbye, and we'll see you back here next time.